CapsCorner.com. You're fourth. You're fourth. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is, what, God, what is today? Tuesday? Tuesday, January the 8th, 2019, um, as we record this show, um, I guess this is not technically the first show of 2019, but it sort of, it sort of feels like it, which is weird. Um, I don't know if that's a product of um, just sort of the oddness of a week. When basketball season starts, there are multiple games, and, and that throws off the whole schedule. So it, everything feels new and different. Um, so that's why we're coming a little bit early. Obviously, Virginia has a game in Boston uh, tomorrow night or tonight as you listen to this. Um, and then, obviously, they'll be down in Clemson. Um, I will be in Clemson, um, coincidentally enough. Every time I go to Clemson, Clemson wins a national championship. It's fun. Um, but anyway, so we're going to talk uh, about Virginia's start of ACC play. We're going to talk about sort of the matchups that they have this week and, and what do we think um, from what we've seen so far in early ACC play, what, 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 what matters here, what, what, is, what this kind of stands out to us. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Brad. I'm still recovering from staying up too late watching football last night, but ready to roll. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up that was in convincing, right? No, kind of. <laughs> up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Brad. I'm just waiting to see what you're going to correctly predict next. At <laughs> Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. I thought I would just get that out of the way early. It was so like move on, man. I, I had the magic. It was like it was like it was off day. the. It was totally random too. You just said it, and I was like, sure, okay. <laughs> I guess we should tell people what we're talking. Yeah, about. we probably should. Um, I mean, it was one of my more badass moments, so I probably should. Should sorry, so we're we're standing there um, before the game, watching warmups, and I just casually turn to Ferber and I say, "Braxton Key's going to have a, a big game tonight, or did that big game today?" And I think it when I said it, you thought, uh, "Oh, hold on, wait, sorry." Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and occasional uh, really good predictions. Um, I think you thought like I was kind of crazy. Like if my memory serves, you sort of like <laughs> you didn't like guffaw at me, but you definitely were not like. Nah, oh, you know, I just I thought it was like, like. I just thought it was very like arbitrary. <laughs> just like okay, sure. Like it wasn't like he had just done something crazy in warmups. I don't think you just kind of looked over there yeah. and were like, hmm. It was almost like you were choosing what you were going to eat for lunch. You were like, hmm. I think I'm going to have <laughs> five guys today. Like it was kind of like, hmm. I think I'm going to have Panera today. No, it it it. it it was very much, uh, I don't know, just woke up with a feeling, man. You know, things happen. And what's weird is that, like, I actually, uh, Dave's whole, like, you know, they're going to smoke them thing. I was wa- in Charlotte. I'm walking to the stadium. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I felt like Virginia was going to win. But I didn't want to tell anybody, right, for fear that, you know, <laughs> the worst could happen and then you feel like a dummy. So, I don't know. I, I told you, and then I did not expect you to tweet it out and send it to the masses, but you did. And, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of fun. So I think I'm going to get out of the I'm going to get out of the prediction business now. I, I've I've got my uh, my hit and I'm I'm going to walk away. Yeah, you next, got a George Costanza those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's next it. Time, I'm out. Next time I get to JPJ, I'm not going to be like, hey Ferber, I think so and so and so is going to have a big game. Like I'm not going to keep I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to park my car at that well. No, thank you. Mm-mm. All right, let's uh, let's talk about that game where Braxton Key had a uh, had a kind of coming out party, so to speak. Um, the best we've seen him play in a Virginia uniform, I think. And it's probably not even close. I just thought that is, and we'll get to Kyle Guy in a second. I think it was a perfect sort of effort for what Virginia needed that day. But at the same time, like man, the Cavaliers were like a hot knife through butter. Um, 
I did not expect them to to just roll all over Florida State. And and I saw these headlines after it was like you know uh, Virginia needed a big you know needed a big performance from Key. And I'm like, what game are you guys watching? Like they they were up 29 with 218 to go. What is wrong with you? Like they 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 Florida State had a 16 to nothing run over the last two minutes and one second made the final score look a lot different. But like they didn't need anything. I mean they were rolling. Um, but my my impression of Braxton coming into the season and what he could be was sort of what I saw uh, in this game, which was he was physical. I thought he he put a lot of pressure on Florida State, and he just he sort of took the game as it came to him offensively, and and he was efficient. He made the most of his opportunities. He he was better around the rim. I know that's been a a, a real thing for for Dave uh, in our in our text thread uh, because you know Braxton had a habit earlier in the season of just you know either running over dudes and getting charges or or not being able to finish. Uh, Dave, as you watched this thing, I don't know if you watched it live. I feel like you might have not uh, watched it live, but yeah, yeah, I did. But well, I missed the first few minutes. But yeah, with with having watched Braxton in that performance, um, what was was that like a, a an eye opening experience for you? Do you feel like you trust it better now? Do you need to see like four or five more of those? What's your what's your thought process? I mean, for Braxton himself yeah i'd like to see it repeat on the road especially in the acc um but i thought you know not just braxton i thought the whole team looked different you know i've been pretty i don't want to say i was hard on them but you know i wasn't in love with the team up until the uh, you know the conference slate started and i mentioned it on multiple podcasts i felt like they just weren't locked in yet like they were almost going through the motions when they came out saturday like they were locked in like so you know and it Everything looked different. Everyone was cutting harder, defending a little bit harder. Um, there was a couple of tweaks. I mean, Dre initiated the offense several times early in the game, which I really liked. Uh, I, I liked everyone. And then when you add Braxton being efficient like he is, um, and defensively, you know, he, he's gotten better and been really, really good in the last few games. But, you know, he wasn't taking bad shots. Everything was in rhythm. He was really efficient, and that's what this offense demands. Yeah, and it was it was my favorite performance of the year by far, obviously. Um, I, mean, I wasn't shocked they beat Florida State. I was kind of shocked how they did it. Um, I mean, I think what, what was it, 17-4 to four run or something in the first half? I mean, it was it's only a six-point game with like five minutes to go in the first half, and then Jenny just kind of locked in and put them away. So it's – it was a good effort by everyone. I really liked the way we used Braxton. Um, I don't want to say it was Anthony Gill like, but it kind of was. You know, other than the, he wasn't posting, it was kind of. I, I someone mentioned hit that on the board, and I was like, that's you know, a few weeks ago, and I was like, that's a weird comparison, but I can see a little bit of it now. Um, so I, I like I like a lot of the way things are going. Um, Kihei's still struggling, but. You know, Braxton stepping up will be huge for this team. That's what four or five, you know, four legitimate offensive weapons, which is something Tony hasn't had many years. He's been here. That's true. I think the thing about the the AG comparison is not actually that far off because if you think about it, what AG gave him was 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 in the in, in the in the in the sort of flow of the offense was much more of a throw it into him kind of thing, right? So he was on the block and turn and get a guy leaning and then go. What Braxton's going to do is much more like a guard, but he has that same physicality to him. He can play a little bigger than he is, but he's mobile enough in a, in a way AG wasn't. He's he's flexible enough that he can play on smaller guys too. Um, and I think one thing that stood out to me was early in the season, I think I've said it in a bunch of different places, and I'm pretty sure I said it here, 
it just seemed like to me in watching Key in the in the uh, in bo- on both sides of the floor really that everything was just like a click off, right? Whereas in the offense, the ball has to get to a place and it needs to swing. He would catch and look and think, and then like by by that point, you know, the window where it needed to go, it, it was just like it was just off in the terms of the cadence. Defensively, he just looked like as as a lot of the other guys are more instinctual with the pack line, he, he looked like he was not necessarily late. He was just, it was just not in the same sort of uh, rhythm, if that makes any sense. And in this game, he was much closer to, to, to perfect pitch. I just thought that uh, this could be the signal of something important. And, and I don't want to talk about the guy who scored 20 when the other kid who, who, who was, you know, out of his mind shooting the ball was, to me, the the difference in the game, but Ferber, have we haven't seen Kyle Guy? We've seen Kyle Guy go nuclear at times. I don't think we've seen him be this consistently nuclear, right? He makes eleven threes across two games. He's like what thirteen of nineteen from three in his past three games, or something like that. I mean, he is, he, and it's not even like he's just getting really nice wide open shots and he's making them. I mean, he's making stuff with dudes in his face, guys, you know, barely looking at the rim. His one, there was that one where his feet are completely turned perpendicular to the goal, right? And and he still manages to make the shot. Do you think that this is sustainable for him? And if it's not, is that a problem for UVA as the as ACC play gets deeper and deeper? If it is sustainable, then it's a problem for everybody else <laughs> um, because he's at a level right now that's unbelievable. I think he what was it, 11 straight threes over two games, which is a UVA record. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean – I am consistently blown away by his ability to get his shot off in weird situations. He's not just a guy that can just catch it and, you know, take a shot if it's open in rhythm. He can, like you said, he shoots with his legs turned the other way. He can shoot with the ball going over his head. He can turn and shoot with a, you know, like he had that one play in the first half where the shot clock was running down and he just, you know, he got the ball and instinctually knew he had to go up with it quick. So he got that little step back and then had just enough space to get the shot off. And of course he made it. I don't know if he's going to be able to shoot at this clip all season long, but I don't have any, I don't have any uh, concerns about him like having a huge fall off in any way. I mean, his shot is what it is. We watch him in warmups. He gets it off. He makes a lot of them. Uh, he's comfortable shooting. Like I said, in all different positions, off screens, he's good uh, set shots. He's good. And uh, you know, if he can, uh, in addition to all that, get to the rim. I mean, I think that it's, he's a tough player to stop. And I think that what we saw on Saturday with Braxton was a direct relation or related directly to what Kyle was doing. I think, you know, you would see Braxton on like the back end of the offense sort of. Uh, you know, Kyle comes off the screen. Everybody flows to him. And then he kicks it to key, either at the top of the key or, you know, in the in the post or out on the wing. And he's able to get an open shot or a shot that's more open than it should be because so much attention is going to Kyle. Um, I think that in itself is a huge sign for UVA of, you know, the ability to kind of keep things going for other guys. Mm -hmm. I think if one guy's drawing a lot of attention, but also I'm not worried about it sustainable. Like even if he falls off a little bit, I think, you know, Ty didn't have a very big game on Saturday and, and uh, Deandre was up and down. So I think different guys can get you on different nights. And uh, I think if Kyle can shoot close to this for the rest of the season, then UVA is in good shape. The thing that I think, you know, your point about Ty and, and Dre not having good games, they were both what, fa- uh, what uh, let's see, um, 
Dre was two for eight from the floor. Uh, Ty was two for 11. So, I mean, they both are, are struggling. You know, they don't, they're not making huge contributions. Um, but one thing about Ty is, I mean, he's got six assists, just one turnover. He's finding guy all over the floor. And I thought, man, how, how many teams in the country could have arguably their best player, right, in Dre, and arguably their, like, team leader, right, in Ty, Basically, I don't want to say they they didn't show up because that's not fair. But they weren't carrying things, right? They both score six points each. But neither one of them makes a three in the game, and they want they were up on the number nine team in the country by twenty nine. Like that's just that's just nuts um, for anybody. And 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 I think that the thing that 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 I take away from this game maybe more so than anything else. You know, it's funny how a lot of people probably saw that score when it was, you know, when Virginia was up 29 and thought, man, Florida State's not very good. They're not clearly as good as, as everybody thought. And I came away thinking, man, maybe Virginia's better than even I thought. Um, and it's going to look like this. Like, I'm not saying they're going to be up 30 on every team in the ACC, but this whole, I think this is the way it's going to go. It's going to be two or three guys each night. Who are carrying the water, right? In this game, you know, Kyle and 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 Braxton are, are scoring. Um, I, I thought Jack Salt was as active in this game. He didn't show up in the stat sheet. He's over two from the floor. He scores uh, two points. Um, he has uh, both on free throws for the record. Um, he he has five boards. He has an assist, no turnovers, no blocks, no steals. But he was as good at being like. At, like channeling his inner Isaiah Wilkins as you could ever imagine. But I think every night it's just that it's going to be like this and teams are going to try to do X, Y, and Z to take away, you know, option a or option B, but they're going to be too many dudes um, who are sort of waiting uh, in the wait. And look, I want to, I want to be very real about this. Um, Phil Kofer um, was, I guess, I think he had or hurt his heel Um Terrence Mann, who was 0 for 3 from the field, it was their leading scorer coming in. He was hurt too. Um, both of those guys for Florida State are important pieces, and they didn't do pretty much anything, regardless of how long they were on the floor. Um, so, it, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact they were banged up. But I just think that overall, that's a Florida State team that's going to give a lot of people a lot of problems. And you're going to look back on that in a month or so and think, man, Virginia was up 29 on that team. Um, I just think that maybe we maybe we've all been sort of because it was a, the non-conference schedule was sort of boring and because you know we've expect you know we sort of become accustomed to seeing UVA be good. I think we all sort of just like expected. Oh yeah, UVA is going to be good, but like man, maybe they're much better than we thought. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, time will tell. I think they're better than I thought they were, um, which which makes me happy. Um, offensively, like. It's a really exciting team. Um, I do think what Kyle is doing is sustainable just because he's a – look, there's plenty of examples now that you know kids practice more, they shoot more, There's they've got more of a green light to shoot the three. And the way our offense works, Kyle's going to get open just because of how he runs so hard off the screen. And if you want to cheat to stop him, you're going to get hurt backside. So someone's, you know, there's not much you can do keep him from getting open shots if he stays that active. Um, but what I, I think what's kind of got, we haven't brought up is I think Mamadi is really playing well the last few games too. Um, 
you know, since he moved back into the starting role with Kihei's injury, like that's another piece to the puzzle. Like everything seems to be coming together. Um, you're right. Todd, even with six points that Todd Jerome had and six points that Dre Hunter had, you know, if you've got, you got two guys who scored 41 points between key and, and Kyle, if you get two guys on Virginia score 41, knowing they give up an average of 50 a game, they're hard to beat, you know? Um, and I think we're going to see it. There's going to be some nights where you get two or, th- you know, you get three of those guys to go 20 and Virginia might put up 85 and win a game by 40 on the road. And it won't shock me. Um, I don't know that it'll be the next game, but it won't shock me if it happens. Um, we aren't, if Danny Manning still at Wake Forest, maybe it happens there. Um, but I, I do like the, the way the pieces are coming together. And I think what's most interesting is I feel like Kihei is kind of getting, you know, he's not where he was at the beginning of the year. And you start putting that piece back in. Um, and then it kind of, I think it brings the whole team back up. And then, not to keep rambling, but the one thing that's very interesting with this team, with the with the addition of that little token press that Tony's using this year, when they're scoring and able to, you know, they're really good when they get to set their defense anyway. Um, you make shots and you add that little token press to it. I thought that really affected Florida State. Um, you know, they're not a team that's got a b- bunch of sharpshooters, so they need to, they need their time to work against that defense. Um, and you know, I think with Virginia being able to set every time, Florida State gave up pretty. I don't want to well, maybe gave up is too strong of a word, but there was a possession. I think it was a possession right after they worked for a three late in the shot clock, like early in the game, where the next time down they came down and took like two dribbles and shot up a deep three. And I was like, they don't want to fight this all night. This thing's going to be quick. Um, and you're going to see that over and over with, with teams who don't want to sh- deal with it, especially when they're getting smoked on the other end. Well, I think that's so. That's an interesting topic, and I want to I want to focus a little, about, a little bit on that. So, what I thought was interesting was that Florida State came out, and, and, and sometimes it's more junk than anything else. But sometimes they are, you know, looking for to be opportunistic to try to trap in it. But Florida State wants to try to press you, and and my immediate thought was, all right, well, that's what teams are going to do to Virginia, right? They're going to put a little pressure on them, try to get the the rhythm of the offense off, and it it just didn't it it didn't do that. And at some point, like you're working yourself to death, and you're not getting anything out of it. And at the same time, I thought I thought what Virginia did in this game defensively was uh, was especially interesting to me because. You're right. Like that little bit of a press, that little bit of just just a just a little bit more pressure on you to not just to not necessarily in terms of like trying to you know keeping the backcourt or create turnovers. It's really just about okay. You're already going to have to work hard. We're going to make you work harder. And if that's something they can consistently do, if that's something they can consistently lean on, and I think with Kihei coming back now, he's out of the cast into the splint. Um, you know, it's not the same. You know, he's still having some, you know, you can still see that his grip, his, his, his feel for on that, on that hand is still bad. Um, he didn't look nearly as bad to me, um, but he still had a couple of yips when he, you know, he's switching ball hands and he's trying to do something. Um, but realistically, like that's a thing that they could lean on and that's a thing that they could hone that that's an interesting uh, sort of wrinkle that they can use because realistically, if Jack Salt's going to cover as much ground uh, as he covered in this game, and I know that there are going to be matchups that they're going to run into where maybe having him out there is not going to be beneficial. But to but to Dave's point as well, like with Momney being as locked in as he as he has been, um, you know Tony keeps saying he simplified things, and he 
he even though he's not making a huge contribution in terms of the stat sheet, six points in this game, four boards, uh, a block and a steal. You know, he's it's it's his overall sort of impact that I think is 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 he's so present, right? He's so present, and he does I think a great job of sort of understanding he, the way he's playing right now. He he has a very clear idea of who he is and what he needs to do, and he's not he's not freelancing anymore, you know. And if he continues to be continuous, if he continues to be sort of, you know, channeling his 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 energy in the right directions, I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy to me the amount of versatility in the pieces. I mean, we've we've talked this whole time and we haven't really focused on uh, other than maybe that section about Braxton. Think about like all of the different pieces here and, and how they all fit together Ferbert. When you watched this game Saturday, did the results or the way it happened, did anything change sort of your mindset about this team as, as you know, not necessarily as they go to Boston or, or, or to Clemson, but just in general with these three top ten matchups coming up and, and everything kind of – everybody's been focused on the ACC and how everything's about to ramp up. Did you leave Saturday thinking anything different about UVA and the ceiling that the Cavaliers have versus when you, when you arrived at JPJ? Not really. I mean, honestly, it just kind of uh, backed up or, you know, solidified what I already thought. I mean, I thought this team would be similar to last year's in terms of, you know, where they're going to end up and, you know, how much success they're going to have and what their capabilities are. So I'm not completely overwhelmed by the fact that they had a good game to start ACC play. I mean, the margin at one point was 29. I thought I never thought it would get that high. Um, but I also thought Florida State kind of, like Dave said, packed it in at a certain point and just couldn't figure out anything to do. Um, as far as like how far I think this team can go, I mean, I think that they can go far. I mean, there's there's nobody I – don't, I don't think that they can't beat at this point. And if they play the way they did for most of Saturday's game, barring that stretch of about 10 minutes where they didn't score really um, – I think that the sky's the limit, and I think Saturday just you know was another example of that. Just to correct my stat from earlier, uh, Kyle Guy, 12 of 15 from three-point range over the past two games, 19 of 31 from the past four games. I think I said three there, which would hit me if he had 19 threes in three games. Um, but I think that's, a, I think that's fair. I, I, I came away Saturday, I drove back to Richmond thinking, man, maybe they aren't going to be, you know, whatever – you know, gaudy record you, you folks have in their heads, but the ceiling for this team is it's it's so beyond, in my opinion, at least. I mean, look, let's just, again, this opinion is just mine, right? But like to me, the ceiling for these for these kids is so beyond the ceiling for for some of these past teams, like that it's hard to even wrap my mind around what it looks like when Virginia plays really well, right? Because like the other night. Right, you could you could read some of these headlines around the state newspapers and such, and think, um, like that that it was that that they weren't nearly as dominant as they were, but like from what seven eight minutes in, like this thing was done. That thing that turkey was cooked. You know what I mean? I, again, I, I'm not saying that it'll always translate to the to the to the record, um, and it, heck, it might not translate to you know whether the it's the ACC tournament in Charlotte or beyond in the NCAA tournament. I'm just saying that, like, when you watch this team, the ceiling for these kids, they they did this to a top ten team, and two of their f- best pieces were just not hitting on much. Um, if some of those shots fall, maybe there's other opportunities that that Kyle or, or Braxton got that they wouldn't have gotten. 
but in terms of the efficiency, when if if guys are, are if guys are efficient across the board, uh, and they're also playing defense as well as they played in this game, um, I, it's it, that part. That's the that's the thing that I I did leave thinking. It's not necessarily that they're there yet. It's that the ceiling is certainly uh, is certainly much higher with this group, and certainly, I mean, look, man, like you watch. Do you watch that team in JPJ? I mean. I mean, the heat was on, man. Like that place was jacked. I mean, it, it, even early on, you just got the sense that like they just they were just waiting for UVA to to take this thing over, and then they did. And I mean, that was a that was a hopping crowd. It was a lot of a lot of passion in that building for ACC play, and 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 I imagine that that's the way it's going to be for you know foreseeable future. Speaking of those ACC games, the next two are on the road. And Dave, I want to bring you back in and talk a little about Boston College and Clemson. Um, on a scale of one to ten. One being you're not worried at all, and ten being freaking out, hand wringing, doing your normal thing. How, where, where, are you worried about these two games? Are you worried about the lack of energy that 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 might be in in either of these buildings? I'm guessing that Clemson's going to have some sort of national championship parade sort of deal. So my guess will be there will be a lot of fans uh, in Little John uh, on Saturday. But what's your general sense of of, of hand wringing going into this road trip? I mean, I think honestly, I think if this team loses this year, it the only road game I'm really worried about is Cameron. Uh, I think if this team has has a hiccup in the ACC, it's probably going to be at home. Um, not because the JPJ is not tough to play in. I just think these guys, like, just look at the personalities. Like, you know, Kyle loves to be heckled. You know, Ty loves to be heckled. You know, Jack is a senior now. You can't, you can't, you know, disrupt him. He is what he is. Um, like, I, I just think this team's wired to, to kind of thrive off that negative energy um so i am less worried about clemson than i am about boston college just because i think the clemson crowd will be more into it which means our guys will be more engaged um i mean on a scale of one to ten for losing either like how worried i'd say like a two i mean i don't think i don't think it's going to be i don't think virginia's going to lose either one i'm not i don't want to say i don't think either game is going to be close but I don't really think either game's going to be that close. So, yeah, my worry is my worry is down the road the next home game, not not these two. <laughs> I, I I didn't want to I didn't want to just gloss over these two games because I did think it was important to talk about. I, I think yeah. Ferber and I probably agree with you there. So Virginia going to have uh, Boston College tomorrow night or tonight as you listen to this, and then Clemson on Saturday. They'll be back in JPJ uh, on on Tuesday night um, in. In in true cosmic fashion, right? That the that this is going to be a top ten game. Um, I don't think does Tech Tech's got to play somebody else later this week. So I guess yeah. theoretically they could. They play lose. Georgia Tech, and I think they play like somebody else. It's not Some very rando. Good. Okay, yeah. So we're going to assume all things being equal that that the that this is a top ten matchup. I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and while Ferber's talking in a second, I'm going to look it up to make sure. But I'm pretty sure this is the first ever top ten matchup uh, brewing between these two programs. Um, I have watched a fair bit of Virginia Tech, and I got to be honest, I am not, I'm not somebody who thinks that they're not good, but I'm also not somebody who is entirely sure that that I get the connection between how good all everybody says they are and what I see. There are moments where I watch them and I go, "Man, that that's a really tough team to play," and then there are definitely times where I'm like, "I don't get it." Ferber, tell me why I'm right or why I'm wrong. When you watch Virginia Tech, what what do you see? And and since we probably won't podcast between now and and then, what's your sort of 
feel for the Hokies going into presumably that matchup with an undefeated UVA? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're ca- they're capable for sure. I mean, they're not a bad team. They're ranked eighth in Ken Palm, so the numbers agree with the ranking. Um, obviously, they have talent. Uh, Justin Robinson, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, those are guys that in the backcourt that can give you a lot of problems. And UVA knows that firsthand from last year's game in Charlottesville that featured a, a drought of scoring, if I remember correctly, in the second half just by both teams. Um but, I mean, I think that they're a talented team. They're obviously missing a few guys that they thought they would have in the preseason. Uh, but they, they still uh, – and that depth could come back to haunt them a little bit maybe down the road. But they still have a lot of guys that have played in a lot of games. I mean, you still have Ahmed Hill. You still have Ty Outlaw. You still have Kerry uh, Blackshear. I mean, guys that have been around the block. And I think that Buzz does a good job um, finding ways to get their offense going. Uh, I mean, obviously they rely pretty heavily on the outside shot. I think, yeah, 40% of their points come from threes. Uh, that's 27th most nationally. But they also uh, give up a fair number of threes. So I think that their offense is really pretty good. I mean, one of the best in the conference. Their defense is capable. Um, I think that UVA will be motivated for this game just because uh, of what happened in Charlottesville last year. But I think that they're a good team. I mean, I don't think that they're uh, – I think they'll probably end up being – uh, if I had to guess right now, fifth, sixth in the conference, uh, maybe better. Uh, and I think that they're a team talented enough to make a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I feel like it, it, the thing with tech is that I, I can't, I kind of can't flush that. Um, <laughs> I can't flush that Penn state loss out of my mind. Yeah, that, that, that is weird. And, and that is something that I didn't mention, but I mean, like, that's kind of like the one glaring mark on the resume. That looks really weird. The rest of the games, I mean, they kind of took care of business. I'm looking at their Ken Palm profile right now. I don't think they played another game that was decided by less than 10. Right. Uh, Ball State, they won by nine. Purdue, they won by six. So the thing about Tech to me is that they play a style that, for all intents and purposes, is it, it's not maybe the, the, the prototypical pack line uh, buster. I still think that that Maryland team from a few years ago with Smotris, or that's not how you say his name, Smotris and uh, Jake Smotris, Lehman, yeah. and um, if you had two long forwards that could shoot, and you had two guards who could dribble drive, and you had a big, like that's the perfect re- recipe, right? If you had basically, if you had like two and a, like you had two one and a halves, uh, two stretched fours, and a true five, that can really hurt Virginia. But what Tech does is, is not any of that, right? It's basically like, hey, let's throw out these uh, versatile guards and basically spread you out and, and spread you out so far that and, – and, and what I think Tech does a nice job of, and, and I'll, I'll say that, is anticipating not just how the pack line is going to respond to what you do but understanding what the counter to that is. They do a nice job of spacing the floor – and understanding where the double comes from, understanding you know where the help is going to be, and then exploiting that. It's almost like a quarterback who finds the spot on the field where the blitz came from. Like that's kind of the way that that Tech's offense sort of deals with the way that Virginia's help when when that when the help comes to the ball or comes to the to the man. Um, and it and it and, it, and they're certainly talented. I guess my problem is like this: like, are they going to be able to turn Virginia over enough and get enough possessions? 
you know, to really to really make this thing a game? That's my question. Um, when I watch Tech play, I see them making people make dumb mistakes, and I just don't know if you're going to make Virginia make a lot of dumb mistakes. Now, maybe Virginia comes in this game, turns the ball over 17 times, Tech scores 22 points off turnovers, and, and they cruise. Who, who knows? Um, I'm out of the prediction game now. But I, 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 I just think that as I watch Tech this year, this Virginia team is much better at three-point defense and not as good at two-point defense, right? This might be one of those weird years where uh, the, everything is sort of on its head. And that's still a group, I think, if you put, um, let's say Jack Salt's not on the floor and, and you're able to ride with Mamadi as, a, as the five, Virginia has a counter to the smaller lineup with this team that I don't think the Wahoos have had consistently over the years. And I think that's going to be – this is going to be the first game, I think, where you can really see Tony having to make adjustments because not, not, not just because he wants, his, he wants his defense to still be true, but I think he can attack it with his offense a little bit differently. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, this Tech team's a little confusing for me too. Um, I think they're pretty good, but it's not because – They've got a lot of deficiencies. You know, they don't have a whole lot of size. They're not a great rebounding team. But they've got four dudes who shoot a higher percentage from three this year than Kyle Guy does. they got five of the top ten in the conference. Um, so they've got a bunch of dudes who can shoot the three. And when you have that, there's going to be nights where it doesn't matter what your deficiencies are. If you hit threes at the clip, you know, they've got – trying to pull up the percentages real quick. But they've got one, two – yeah, four – Four ranked above Kyle. Four shooting above forty-six percent from three, including Ty Outlaw, um, Alexander Walker, uh, BD or whatever his, how you pronounce his name, um, and I miss one Ahmad Hill. So they've got they've got dudes who can shoot. So if they get hot, like it doesn't really matter what their deficiencies are. Um, I think the challenge for Virginia is it's going to. I agree, Virginia's much better guarding the three than they've been the last few years. You know, with the versatility and size they have out out on the outside. I think the challenge for Virginia is what, how does Tony and, you know, what lineup does Tony put out in the floor to combat tech? Does he give up his size advantage to guard their threes or does he, does he take the chance that, you know, keeping playing Jack and Mamadi allows us to get some easy buckets against smaller dudes. See, Uh, I don't even know if he needs to necessarily give up the size advantage because I think this is a game where he could legitimately break out a lineup of, 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 uh, day at the five, Braxton at the four, Dre at the three, Kyle at the two, and Ty at the at the one. And then if you needed to, you could move you could take one of those, you know, the Braxton or, or, or Dre off the floor, have Kie out there if you're if you're getting, you know, yourself in spots. But I think Diakite has played mommy's played well enough lately. I think you could ride with him for con- some like consistent minutes. But I also yeah. I would not be surprised, would not be shocked at all if Tony Rode with a lineup against Tech specifically. I'm not saying they're going to do this against Duke, but against Tech specifically where you could see Kihei, Ty, Kyle, Dre, and Mamadi on the floor together. Like, go super small, but rely on your athleticism. Rely on, you know, the fact that you, even though you're you're not super long, you're, you're, you're still really good. You know what I mean? Like, Kihei is short. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to sprout seven inches overnight. But it's, it, it would be interesting to me to watch Tony go that way, kind of like what they did against um, was that Wilmington? They did that against a couple years ago in the tournament, um, where they went five guards. Yeah, um, I mean, you could. Yeah, I could but totally William, see that. Wilmington didn't have a guy over six seven. 
So, no, yeah. I mean they've got Tech, Tech has a six ten center. True, yeah. true. But I'm saying like if they go small, like because because a lot of times what Buzz likes to do is he likes to go super small. You feel me? Like I'm not saying that if 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 dudes out there that you, that you do it anyway. I'm not I'm not I'm not crazy. I'm just saying that like Tech in in this matchup likes to go small beyond what you would normally expect them to do. Now, the granted, they haven't had any size, and they still sort of I don't think. You know, would I don't? I'm not. They're not one of the teams. I would say, you know, is is super tall or anything. But I just feel like if and when Buzz does does go with that, because he will do that. It is a tendency. He's gonna do it. The question is whether or not Tony really counters with a, a true small ball lineup, or whether he tries to keep, you know, more of his traditional sort of look on the on the court. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Bombardier is gonna be a big factor. I mean, I think he's got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, obviously, Jack can give you some minutes against Blackshear, but I think Mominy is your better matchup because they will pull Blackshear up high, um, you know, keep him out of the paint. So they, they do some weird things with him that I, I think Mominy can defend a little better than Jack. So, but I think bottom line, it comes down to stopping. If, if they don't hit the three, they're, you know, Virginia could blow them out. If they hit the three, it could be a long day. <laughs> Dave, already, already preparing himself for the potential. For the potential heartbreak. Well, I mean, if they hit threes, you know, they every t- if they make I mean, they every shoot, shot, they I don't shoot know. the three really well, man. No, 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 I know, I know they do. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say they don't shoot the three well. It just your your tone is like if they make every shot. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, here's my question: Can Tech and Ferber, you you tell me what you think? Can Tech stop UVA's offense consistently enough to win this game? I don't think we know that. I don't. I mean, I don't think we can really know how good their defense is yet because they haven't really been tested like a lot of other teams have in terms of having to guard a lot of really good offenses. I mean, they play a lot of high-scoring games. That Purdue game was 89-83. Um, they do rank 36 nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is pretty good. Um the you know the numbers that they have defensively are pretty good, but again, this time of year, those numbers are kind of skewed because of the non-conference opponents. UVA's even. I mean, UVA's uh, three-point defense number is like historically good, um, but it's going to come back a little bit because you're playing better teams. Um, I, I think that UVA can have some success. Last year, Tech's defense they ran a lot of like exotic sort of stuff and gave UVA a lot of problems. Obviously, uh, with a few days to prepare, Tony will be looking at that kind of stuff a lot just to make sure that everybody's ready for it. Um, the first game, UVA got whatever they wanted. And in the second game, it seemed like Buzz kind of made some adjustments and UVA was a little off and it paid off for him. Um, I think that, you know, they, they play a lot of zone. Uh, I think that UVA could shoot their way out of it, but um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, Something's got to give Tech's strengths play right into UVA's defensive strengths, and I think UVA's offensive strengths are things that Tech can stop, but I'm not sure if they can do it consistently enough against a high, like a well-executing offense. I think and that, Tech does not play again after they play Georgia Tech. They have uh, the weekend off. Okay. So uh, that was one thing I was thinking about, because what I remember from the matchup in Charlottesville was them playing a lot of, like, almost – they almost wanted to – whereas – Ferber likes to to point out that he thinks teams should always just take the first open shot against UVA. What I, what what I feel like Tech did was to be patient and basically play UVA style, you know, lag off shooters. And that was a different sort of animal when you when you think about what Virginia's offense was like last year. That's not to say this year they don't still go through droughts. They absolutely do. But man, the the pieces that are on the floor, especially if Braxton's going to start, you know, playing at a high level. Um, I kind of like the fact that they've got 
two games before that, I think it's a nice sort of ebb and flow. You know, it's not like you're going to be playing, um, you know, it's not like you're playing in the tournament where you're, you know, your your third game in three days or nonsense like that. But staying in rhythm and that kind of thing, I'm really curious to see what they do on the road these next two before they get there. Because, um, you know, Ty, Ty admitted something during the that video interview I did with him. I asked him about, you know, any extra, you know, sort of added juice to, to play in a top 10 team. And he's like, look, you try to ignore it, but you're, you're human. Like, you know that this is a big game. Um, these next two are not really big games, but there is, you know, a couple of bigger ones on the back end. And so uh, I'll be that. I think that's going to be an interesting storyline uh, to watch a, as well. Uh, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? Uh, rest in peace, George Welsh. Uh, the old hat sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, I want to thank you for giving us a listen. As always, if you if you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your shows. Uh, give us a review. That always helps get the show out in front of more people, which is always a good thing. If you are someone who has found the podcast but has not given us a look at the site, check us out, CavsCorner.com. This week we had a, a, a big update on five-star uh, 2020 center Walker Kessler following his official visit to UVA uh, this past weekend for the uh, FSU game. Uh, I think, yeah, he's the highest rated recruit to take to take an, un, a, take an official visit under Tony Bennett, which I thought was pretty interesting. We also, like I said, mentioned uh, that Ty Jerome video talking about the FSU game and why that one had a little more juice. He talked about um, the hot streak that Kyle Guy is on. Um, and then as you listen to this, it will be yesterday, we posted our final uh, pro football focus uh, grade story on the season looking back at who were the top 10 offensive guys, defensive guys, and you know, kind of identified some storylines therein, sort of set the table a little bit for what's to come for the rest of 2019. And like I said earlier, I, I'll be in Clemson on Saturday um, to, to cover the game and um, should be a, a fun one. So give us a look at, at CavsCorner.com. So, again, I want to thank everybody for giving us a listen. I want to thank David. Eh, David, wow. Dave Spence and Justin Ferber, as always, for giving graciously of their time. Uh, you guys are um, awesome to me, and I really appreciate you doing the show. So, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>